Hey guys, I'm Tash. And I'm Andy. And you're listening to Bewildered. The podcast where we share stories about the weird, wonderful, and often downright perplexing of the animal kingdom. This is a project that was born out of some of the weird encounters Andy and I have had with animals as ecologists. You are listening to our fourth episode, part four of a seven-part series. So welcome, and let's get started, shall we? The title of this episode is Let Them Fend for Themselves, I Say. Here at the Bewildered Podcast, we often get ideas by Tash and I just trying to gross each other out with weird stories or videos of nature. And I have to say that this one takes the cake. We'll be posting this video on our Facebook and Twitter. Feel free to pause now, get it, and follow along with us because we're going to be watching it together and being grossed out. Okay, you ready, Andy? Let's press play. Oh. Oh, okay, so it's a, a toad frog with lots of boils in its... Oh, it's got moving oh, stuff growing on its back. Oh. oh, oh, there it's babies. Oh. Did, did it just fart one out? I think it just pushed one out. Oh, God, this, like they're all just kind of wiggling out. Looks, oh! oh. <laughs> oh. It's like kind of squeeze the babies out of its back. Oh. oh, they're squeezing out. No, get back in. Oh, that's so <laughs> gross. It's carrying all of its babies in its back skin and oh. they're huge and they're just squeezing out. Oh, that is like the worst pimple popping experience. <laughs> oh, so gross. Oh. Oh, okay. That is I'm truly done. I'm out. horrifying. Oh. If anyone else made it through that, really impressed. I feel sad about the rest of the world. All right, Andy, uh, you have to tell everyone what that disgusting video was all about. Okay, well, this is the video of a serenum toad, and they have a remarkable strategy for looking after their babies. You see, these toads spend a lot of time in the water. Well, they are amphibians, Andy. Well, yeah, well, I mean, they spend more time in the water than most frogs and toads. Anyway, when the female is ready to mate, she undergoes this hormonal change that makes the skin on her back thicker. Now, these toads mate by fertilizing eggs when they are outside the female. I have to tell you that their sex is not sedate. It's essentially the male holding on for dear life while the female swims around doing somersaults in the water. <laughs> Acrobatic. Nice. Uh, but continue. Right. So the female releases one egg at a time, which the male will quickly fertilize, and the egg will land on the female's back. Afterwards, the skin on the female's back continues to grow and get thicker until the eggs basically become embedded in the toad's skin. So for those of you that didn't watch that disgusting video, they essentially look like wriggling back acne on the toad. So the young will take months to develop on her back. And while growing and wiggling in her back skin, she swims around and does normal toad things. The eggs skip the tadpole state entirely. And when they're ready to leave, the young squeeze their way out of the holes and just swim off. Right, as we just saw in that video. Yes, but it's a pretty cool evolutionary adaptation. Instead of laying eggs somewhere where predators can come, she just carries them around with her, like mammals do. We carry our young on the inside to protect and nurture them. Though it's a little bit easier for the toad. When her babies swim away, she just sheds that extra layer of skin and gets on with her life. This is what scientists call parental investment. Now, it's just a term used to describe the sometimes extreme lengths some animals go to to provide for their young. So humans, for example, have a high level of parental investment. Yeah, and other mammals and a lot of other animals as well. So penguins, elephants, all sorts of animals put a lot of time into their young to get them ready for the big wide world out there. But how far is too far when it comes to caring for your young? I would say that allowing your children to scrape the flesh off your body and eat it is probably too far. Oh yeah, that is way too much caring. There are these four species of worm-like amphibians called sacilians that specifically grow an extra layer of skin so that their babies can eat it. 
The mothers double in size as they put on this extra fatty layer. Their babies are equipped with these special teeth designed for tearing flesh off their mother. In fact, they lose these teeth in adulthood, no longer needing them to eat mummy's flesh. Researchers still don't know how the young know when to stop eating so that they don't kill her. If I were a Sicilian, that would be a question I would want to know the answer to now. Right. We'll be right back after this. Like everything else in the 21st century, the Bewildered Podcast is on social media. You can find us on Facebook, just search Bewildered Podcast, and you can find us on Twitter, at BewilderedCast, all one word. We'll be posting links so you can learn more about the animals we discuss in each episode, and you'll also find videos, photos, and a little bit of behind-the-scenes content. So like and follow us and tell us your favourite weird nature story. Alright, so Tash, what is one thing everyone knows about praying mantises? That the females eat the males after sex? Yep, of course you went there, but you are correct. The females eat the males after they mate, but only about a quarter of the time, I should say. Why would the males just allow themselves to be eaten? Why wouldn't they just run away since they already know the cannibalistic nature of their sexual partners? Or failing that, you know, why just not mate at all? I'm going to take a shot in the dark and guess parental investment. Okay, yes, I guess the topic of the show did give it away. But yes, scientists at the Macquarie University in Australia wanted to find out how males benefit, you know, from being eaten. So to study this, they fed radioactive crickets to praying mantises so they could determine how much of the male's, well, protein goes into the female. The radioactive crickets left markers or traces so they could follow how much of the male was used by the hungry female. So they would place some of the male and female mantises together and allow them to mate. They'd let half the males be cannibalised and save the lives of the other half. Science seems so cruel sometimes. So many females going hungry... So they examined the radioactive male tissues now inside the females. They discovered that the females gained an average of 17.7% of tissue around their reproductive organs. So a large portion of the males are passed not just to the females, but to the young as well. And scientists found that a female would produce more eggs as a result. Now more research needs to be done to determine why some males opt to be eaten rather than live to mate another day. But you have to say that this is parental investment in one of its most extreme forms. And then on the other hand, you get some animals that just go, stuff it, on the parental side of things. My favourite, let them fend for themselves animal, is the common cuckoo. Is this the one that gets other birds to raise its own young? Exactly. It's called brood parasitism. A female cuckoo will wait until another species' nest is empty. It'll fly down, push an egg out of the nest, and then quickly lay its own egg, all before the other bird gets back. See, cuckoos are quite large birds, and they lay pretty big eggs as well. But in order to keep up this ruse that this egg is actually the other species, they'll lay eggs that are similar in size and coloration to the eggs of the host species, whose nest they've just deposited their eggs in. What jerks! Right? And what's worse is that it's not just the parent cuckoo birds that are jerks. It's the chicks too. If the cuckoo chick is the first to hatch, it will push the host eggs out of the nest. Or if the host eggs have hatched first, the cuckoo chick will simply push the other chicks out of the nest as well. This way, the far larger cuckoo chick gets all of the attention and food from the host parents. Why don't the host birds just refuse to feed it? That's probably what I'd do. (laughs) A fair call. But you see, the cuckoo chick uses this thing called vocal mimicry to make a begging call that sounds a lot like a hungry brood of the host chicks. 
This call is enough to coax the host's parents into feeding their apparently massive and hungry brood, when in reality it's just one lone cuckoo chick. So the lazy cuckoo really gets a good deal out of this. Yep, and the parents don't need to feed their offspring pieces of their own flesh or offer themselves up for cannibalism or anything like that. So I'm calling the cuckoo bird definitely the winner of this episode. Ah, the sentiments of two selfish 20-somethings making a podcast. (laughs) That's us. Oh, jeez, I'm so glad I don't have kids. Right, think of all of the things that we can do in our spare time. Yeah, I'm, I'm going overseas for like two months just at the end of the year. Just pack up and leave, no yeah. responsibility. Drinking during the day, like on a weekday, I can do that. Still probably not socially acceptable. But, but I can. I do not want to be an adult. The Bewildered Podcast is co-written and produced by Andy and myself, Tash. If you'd like to know more about any of the topics we've discussed this episode, please follow us on Twitter and Facebook, where you'll find much more content. Don't forget to follow us on SoundCloud or subscribe to us in your podcasting app of choice. Also, feel free to leave us a rating as it really helps other people to find us. Our music is by Poddington Bear and thank you for listening. 